Seventh Avenue Pizza, the official pizza of the Soda Pod. The Soda Pod, the official beer and hockey podcast of Seventh Avenue Pizza. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Soda Pod. Today, we're going to recap some of the trades that have gone down, some of the subsequent signings, and any other moves that we really want to highlight this summer. But there's one in particular that we have to dive into right now. We reserved a whole podcast episode for it today, Hoppy, and that is this ongoing saga between Calgary and Florida. Where do you want to kick things off? I mean, first, we should probably just recap how we got here and why we're talking about the two of these teams. Anyone that's been living under a rock and ignored probably the, I'd argue, the biggest offseason trade in quite some time. I'd say so. Um, we have the Florida Panthers receiving prized player Matthew Kachuk, and I think there was maybe a, a small pick included. I don't really care, to be honest. Um, for the return going to Calgary being Jonathan Huberdeau, Kenzie Weger, a prospect and a first round pick. Um, this kind of blew everything up. No one expected. I mean, everyone was expecting something to come for Kachuk, but weren't quite sure where, and everyone was pretty heavy on, Oh, he's either going to go to St. Louis or go play with his brother or like whatever. I was convinced and, he was going to Ottawa. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So a shock that Florida was the partner and a shock at the return and now, I mean, we've got two teams that were playoff teams last year, hoping to be again this year, but we, we want to break down the trade itself, both organizations, reasons for doing it, and kind of the outlook moving forward for both this year and for years to come. So I don't know, Isha, if you have anything else you want to chime in on for the recap, otherwise, I mean, give me the high level opening argument for you supporting the Calgary Flames. Yeah, I don't really have much more to say. You you went over it great there. Um, I'm super pumped on the Flames, and it, it's been a roller coaster ride all year. And like, I'm not I'm not a Flames fan. Like, I, I respect this team. I like their GM a lot, and I, you know they're they're a Western Conference team in the Pacific Division. Obviously, I'm going to follow them, being that I'm from British Columbia. So, always just had had a little bit of an interest in the Flames, especially these this last year. For those who are listening to the Soda Pod, you know Hoppy and I are pretty high on last year's Flames roster with all the changes that went down this season or this off season rather, like I was, I, I never was questioning Brad Cherliving, but I knew that he had a lot of work to do and you just outlined it there. I think he did a tremendous job right now with that trade and also with the signing, to be perfectly honest, locking up this elite player long-term as looking at the lineups right now, potential lineups, the top six, the, the, the current state of the roster. Yes. It's not going to be as dominant as last year. I mean, they lost two elite players, but they did bring in Jonathan Huberto, who really, really balances out the offense. And it gives the likes of an Andrew Mangiapane to play in that top six. And maybe he is, I don't want to say elite. He's not a Kachuk. He's not a Johnny Goudreau, but maybe he's a 70 point consistent player that is a solid top six player that you want in your organization and on your roster and yes i know he was on the third 
pairing or thir- sorry, third line last year, and you know, middle type player, and he was still able to put up points. Well, imagine what he can do now in an in a top six role. Um, whether Manjipani or Hubert are on the same line or not, I, I don't really think it it matters in that the top six is deep. You look at a potential line here, and this is courtesy of Daily Faceoffs, Huberto, Lindholm to Foley. Two of those three upper echelon players. Lindholm, not elite, but he is a bona fide top center in my mind. Tyler Toffoli, he's like one of the best second line scorers, second line wingers in the league. Whether you put him on that top pairing or top top line or not, doesn't really matter. I think he's still going to produce and it's positive for your team. Michael Backlin and uh, Andrew Mangiapane, they're going to make a great, you know, second punch. Michael Backlin, yes, nearing the end of his career. I, I get it later parts of his career, but is still a very, very solid middle guy. Like whether he's one of the best third line centers in the league or one of the worst, you know, or on the bottom end of the second line centers in the league, like he's still in that range where he's going to be a positive for your team. Um, I'm hoping Dylan Dubé has a step forward this year in his development again and can get into that top six. Right now, um, daily faceoff saying that Blake Coleman's in that role, again, I'd like to see Dylan Dubé take a, a step forward and get into that. And then if you look at the top six there, it's solid. Look at their bottom six. Maybe they don't have the depth as a Florida in their forward group's depth right now, but they surely have it more on the defense, which we'll get into a, a little bit later here. Yeah, I'm just going to pour a little bourbon oh, Weller, here. Because, nice. Uh, oh, yeah, got to go with the Weller Special Absolutely. Reserve. Um, but yeah, I asked Isha for his high level opening arguments and he just decided he was going to break down the entire forward group. So I'll, I'll keep mine a lot more brief here. Uh, <laughs> Florida Panthers team that was the president's trophy winner this past year went through some interesting moves, right? You lose your coach at the beginning of the year because he's a fucking scumbag elevate a coach that probably wasn't ready, which you're not going to see in the regular season because well, talent wins out. You've got a group that you added some big pieces to, sent out a lot of futures, and you come out flat in the second round, get swept by the Tampa Bay Lightning. So you look at this team that's already over budget. Still, after this trade, they are over budget, Isha. $3,375,834 over the cap, which is based on the great work over a cap friendly. Uh, For me... This is twofold. One, you know you're not keeping both, let alone either, player in Huberto and Uyghur. This was your perfect way to parlay a trade, which at the time, right, not after the fact, not, um, you know, reflecting after signings are done. At the time, you get a guy like Matthew Kachuk, who's already agreed to a deal. You're getting rid of two guys that are older players, good players, but older players that were going to be gone regardless. And then, yes, a 2025 first, because that's how far Florida already is in burning those. <laughs> and, of course, a prospect. Do I think that they should have been able to do it for less? Yes. Do I think that this was a great move for the Florida Panthers? Also, yes. Because we saw in the playoffs, this roster construct was not going to work. And exactly. guess what? It was only going to get worse from there with what they had to deal with financially. And... I think it, it it's oversimplifying to say that this is going to be the be all end all to fix it, but bringing in a sandpaper guy like a Chuck who is an everything Swiss army knife for your team who, Oh, by the way is 24 and is going to have matching eight year contracts with Sasha Barkov. I'm signing up for that every time. 
Now, where I think that this year alone in the vacuum, Calgary gets the better end of the trade, because either way, Huberto and Uyghur is greater than Kachuk. I think long-term for not only pivoting the identity of the team, but also for kind of building towards the future and moving on from older assets, I think Florida did a good bill of business here, obviously depending on what they do from here on out in building out that roster. No, and, and I totally commend Florida for all that. And what I liked about that overall, Hoppy, was as fans of the National Hockey League and just you know following the sport and being junkies when it comes to trade news and things like that, we all knew Florida had to do something, right? They had, they had to fix their current or tweak their current roster construction, you know, at the end of the season. I don't think anyone thought Kachuk was going there. He was off everyone's radar in that particular trade. So that's what made this trade, this whole saga, so exciting in that, like, we didn't see these two dance partners, you know, pairing together. We didn't see that at all. So that that's what's exciting me about all this. And again, I'm a fan of Brad Trillivan more than the Flames themselves. And I was int- I really think he's he's one of the more talented GMs out there. And I was like, okay, now he's faced with a challenge. He has to he has to fill some holes. Not only do that, but like continue to have the confidence of the fan base. And I think he did that with this trade. So it is a win-win. I'm excited to see how it plays out on the ice this year for the Flames and like how you highlighted how it's going to shape the identity of the the Panthers moving forward. Yeah, and I mean, both teams, it's an identity shift. When you lose your best two players in Calgary, like obviously that's not easy to get over, but another piece of the trade for me and why I'm okay with both sides, right? Like I think both teams won here in a weird way, but you got a Florida team that you're, you're kind of in a safer position, I think right? Like no GMs getting fired over this trade because like they have a little bit more of a leash. They just had the best season in franchise history. They know that there's going to be some adjustments needed. And to be honest, if they just sell a few more seats, like they're probably happy. Whereas Calgary needed the immediate win. Trelvin could have been on the hot seat, not trading either of those star players when eventually they said they want out. Right. And being able to push past Edmonton might have helped that, but losing to them in Oof. a not so close the way series, that they did, the way right. that they did, like too, close right? close games, but not a close series. So, like that hurts the optics of all of it. So, being able to get a win like that and get that big name player like Huberto to sign long term, that is a massive win for Trelving to make sure that he's kind of off the hot seat for now. Um, exactly. it's still funny to me and that we mentioned this on the podcast Monday, but have to recap the, the hilarity behind on paper, more money going to Huberto, but in actual paper being handed out, it's going to go to Kachuk because he's making nine and a half mil in Florida. While of course, Huberto is making 10 and a half in Canada. Yeah. Although the taxes in Alberta, are not as bad as BC. So he had, it's, if you're playing not as bad for, for, if you're going to play somewhere in Canada, honestly, if you want to make your money, it's in Calgary. It really yeah. is. Yeah. But all right, so let's, let, awesome. let's get into the team comparisons then. Like the, the trade again, at the time, I think pretty balanced given the uncertainty. Like you don't know if you're signing Huberto or Weeger totally. or whatever. If they sign both players, Calgary wins that trade. Fair to say. But the, the word fleece gets thrown around a lot. And I just, I don't see that being the case for either side. Um, but let, let's break down both teams then in their current construct. 
Let's start with the top I, six, I, and you already kind of covered I kind this. of already did, so we'll hand it over to you. <laughs> okay. And, uh, again, Calgary, I think, still has a solid top six group. No one's going to look the same after losing their, their top two players. Right. You still have vastly underrated center on that first line who's going to be playing with Huberdo and someone else. That's still to be decided. You said it could be Mangiapane. I think Toffoli... it might... I think Toffoli is the way to go makes because better then sense, probably, it gives yeah. more balance to the second line if you got Mangiapane down there, but they're going to be able to tinker with that. Yep. Uh, for me, on the Florida Panthers, I still think this top six is pretty freaking incredible. Um, and it's going to actually tee into one of the things that I could see coming up. But you got a first line. Of course, this is based on daily faceoff. And this could very much change. I'm sure this is just projections based on caliber of player. I actually would lean towards Kachuk playing away from Barkov on even strength. But first line, Verhage, Barkov, Kachuk. Holy fuck. That would be insane. Yep. I'm more inclined to bump someone up the lineup instead of Kachuk. Because we know Verhage and Barkov are staying together. They played great last year. Second line as it sits right now, because unfortunately we have Duclair out for about half the season with his injury. It sucks. The guy finally has finally his breakout. Found his place. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. That's going to be a big pickup for them. I mean, again, kind of like a deadline pickup later in the year. Uh, but right now on paper, it's Balsers, Bennett, and Reinhardt. I think Bennett, which funny enough, has the ties back to I'm Calgary. Calgary as well. <laughs> I hey, like two, him a lot as their second picks. line center. Uh, and Sam Reinhart, again, has kind of found a place there. Finally got away from Buffalo, got a taste of playoff hockey. He's a guy, though, that as we look at uh, cap friendly, Sam Bennett might be the guy that gets sent out based on value, right? Yep. But also based on how much he's being paid. He is the third most expensive forward on the team. That's crazy. He's 26. He'll be playing most of the season at 27 and he's making six and a half mil. Ooh, is he worth it? Much. Sure. Yeah. But ah. for this team that doesn't have the salary cap, that's a guy that's expendable, especially like, let's just say that you bring back healthy uh, Anthony Duclair. He brings some of that for Reinhardt, too, yeah. Boom. Like that's fixed. Yeah. Where Reinhardt, like, the biggest focus that we'll get into shortly is on defense for Florida. So you'd hope that you can use him to kind of bring something back on the defensive end. Um, but again, top six, no concerns for me. Let's transition then to the bottom six and I'll just keep going. You can go in second. Um, the, what I love for this bottom six is Anton Lundell, a guy that was long thought to be a target of the Minnesota Wild, who happened to have Marco Rossi fall to them. Anton Lundell looked incredible last year. I think he is phenomenal for a third line center. And again, depending on how he elevates his game, like rotating him and Bennett as the middle six centers, I don't care which one's technically the second, technically the third. I think those two can do some damage together especially Bennett kind of more like Kachuk having that mean streak to him when it comes playoff time. But uh, the other sneaky thing for me is Colin white who they added for damn near league minimum on a redemption contract. Again, if this guy fails, it is what it is like you move yeah. on, but the guy has the pedigree. He has the skill. If you get him in an organization like this, where he's a little bit more sheltered, not expected to come in and be a first line guy where, 
come on, Ottawa was so bad. Like he <laughs> had way too much expectation to come in and matter. Now it's a f- complete refresh. There's zero eyes on him because it's fucking Florida. Um, I-, I just think he's a guy that has a real chance to maybe not reach the potential that everyone thought he had, but to rejuvenate his career and at least carve out a meaningful like couple years of hockey playing maybe even middle six ask like having a chance to elevate himself to a second line on a different team post Florida. Um, but the set, the third line cousins, Lundell white, I'm all for it. That works for me again. They'll slot white out if they need to fourth line. I'm a little bit more up in the air on, uh, Lomberg, uh, Luster and Hornquist who they're, just counting down the days until that contract falls off in a year. Um, I don't know. Bottom six, a little bit more lackluster to me. I really like the third line. Fourth line leaves a lot to be desired. And of course, there's still a lot of question marks outside of Lundell in that bottom six. So not nearly as bullish on that as I am in the top six. Yeah. And me with the flames, like uh, it's, it's kind of a question mark. Because, yeah, you have some of the staples who are still there. And, like, Milan Lucic, he's a fine bottom six player at this point in his career. Sean Monaghan, I don't think he's going to play another game in the National Hockey League. Sucks so, for him, man. Like, it, re- it really I, does. Again, I, I like, no say. disrespect. He was an incredible hockey player. And he played his his role to a T. His body was sacrificed as a result. And I, I do need to apologize because I did disrespect. Like, I was pretty – because of all the rumors that tied him to going to Minnesota, like, I was pretty down on him. Never thought he was a bad player, but like, no, he is not someone that can come in and be our first line center. Dude, he's dealt with so much shit and absolutely like has a top six center. He's a 30 goal score. He's a 30 goal score in the National Hockey League. Yeah. Dude, you, you hate to watch a guy deteriorate their body and like have that be the reason that they go out. Especially he's younger than me. Young. He's younger yep. than me. Yep. It's it crazy. Sucks. It's crazy. I think he's a 95 uh, or 95 or 94 or something. Like, he, that, it's crazy, man. So it really sucks. It, it sucks because if they had, you know, obviously uh, a healthy Sean Monaghan, even if he cut his points in half from 80 to 40, he's still a solid bottom six guy, regardless of the contract, right? Yeah. Um, I don't think he's going to be there. So then you really have to look at Stockton or I guess now wherever they fuck, wherever the fuck they are in Alberta. Jacob Pelche is going to come up. This guy, Hoppy, mm-hmm. is an absolute stud. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I dog on the QMJHL, okay? This guy came out of major junior and then came to the AHL, and a lot of those who are over-agers in Major Junior, especially the QMJHL, they get a rude awakening when they come to pro hockey and are like, oh, fuck, this actually is not that easy. He torched it. Point per mm-hmm. game, six, or pretty much, 62 points in 66 games, 27 goals, 7 points in the playoffs, 13 playoff games for them. He's 21 years old. They also have a kid named Matthew Phillips, who he's a center, 24 years old. I, I know a lot about him because he... He was the top center for the Victoria Royals in the WHL for about three years. Undersized guy, okay? He's Johnny Goudreau 2.0, except he's at center. Like, he's that type of player. Very small, very slick. 100 points, like, I think, yeah, two years in a row in the dub, pretty much 100 points. Um, And then he's developing in Stockton. Great. 38 points his first year. You know, uh, a point per game his second year. A little bit under point per game in that crazy COVID year. And then last year, 68 points in 65 games, 31 points, led the team right in front of Peltier. So the two young guys in Stockton, the two positions that the, that the Flames actually need to fill in the bottom six or eventually their top six, like 
if all things work out, Matthew Phillips plays in the bottom six and eventually replaces Michael Backlund at the on the second line center. If all works out, Peltier replaces one, you know, of like the Dubé position or Coleman. One of those can slide back in. So assuming these two guys even just play well their first year, we're talking 30, 40 points that aren't in a liability. Fuck, man. Like the Flames bottom six actually looks really, really dangerous. And for me, I'll kind of piggyback off of two things you said. One, going back to your high level opening argument that wasn't high level at all. Yeah, I'm totally I just with saw you your private messages pending, right now. They were like, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> pending, pending what happens with that third line center role, because we're both pretty confident it's not Monaghan. Phillips, like you mentioned there, if he slots in and you want to have more of a balanced lineup, I actually like keeping Dubé on that third line to really yeah. work with him and Peltier. But if we get a center that's a little bit more defensively focused, they want to make that more of a, a, a grit, tough shutdown line. I actually love the idea of slotting Dubé up into the top six and putting Coleman on that third line because it fits his game so much. That's kind of what I'm hoping for. There's, there's a lot of pieces that fall into place, right? Chemistry, right fit, and we don't know what the fuck's going to happen with that coach. But I think there's some moving and shaking that can be done with really that whole right wing group between Toffoli, Coleman, and Dubé. Like all of them could slot anywhere from one to three, and I'm not going to be upset. And then right behind them, Trevor Lewis. I think he's a great fit for a third, line, a fourth line. Yeah, and who did they, they signed? Uh, let me just check here. In the off season, a fourth line center, Kevin Rooney. Like he's yeah. not going to put up points. He's just he's like he played in New York last year. I think. He's fine, and so that's great. So it gives these young guys some competition too. Like beat Kevin Rooney, the, the, the veteran, <laughs> out for a spot, and it'll and you know and maybe he's in that position where like fuck yeah, I'll take these guys under my wing. I'm I got an NHL contract again. Let's mm-hmm. fucking go. So I'm more. I'm actually more excited to see the bottom six of the flames than Huberdo lighted up with those up top, to be honest. Cause, and again, bias, I watched and supported all for my first three years in college hoppy. I watched Matthew Phillips dominate and get absolutely destroyed in the playoffs by Seattle and fucking Everett for three years running credit to Seattle. They had some dead Barzell on that team and credit to Everett. They had Carter Hart in goal. So I got to see some amazing WHL competition where guys are already in the NHL and Matthew Phillips has a chance to to carve a spot here. So excited to see him play for the Flames. Yeah, not to trigger Minnesota Wild fans who think back to Zach Phillips, who was part of the Brent Burns trade uh, by draft pick, of course, and ended up just being the biggest bust. Like, we were so excited. Him playing uh, junior hockey with Charlie Coyle and both looking great in the process. Zach Phillips, never to see the light of day. Um, so not not trying to trigger with that name. Um, no, no, no. Moving on to uh, where this argument for me starts to erode a little bit. Let's talk about the blue line, where I count two bodies with a pulse. Um, we have Aaron Ekblad, who let's pray for him to stay healthy. And Brandon Montour, who I actually I am I like higher on than a lot. I think he'll be a solid. I think he should be on the second pairing. You look at the rest of this, though, they got Gustav Forsling, Lucas Carlson, Radko Gudis, who I think is the biggest <laughs> fucking pylon in the league. Guy injures his first line He's center in warmups for the playoffs. That was hilarious, though, because it was for the Flyers, so I loved it. Um, and then Mark Stahl, of all people. Oh, he's still which, in the league. Which, which, hang on, I don't hate him as much now that he's not getting paid, right? Yeah. Like, if he's your third pairing guy... God and you have a real blue line, then sure, it's okay. But the reality is 
who knows what minutes he's going to play because the rest of these guys are just not good. It's bad. Like, I think between the two teams, Ekblad is the best defenseman, but Calgary probably takes, like, five of the next six. <laughs> so, shout out Ked from the, you know, creator of the morning skate. He hates Mark Stahl. Man, when he was on, like, I'd bring, when Mark Stahl was still with the Rangers, we'd, I'd bring Ked on the podcast, Stick and Rink and Early Soda Pod, and just wind him up about Mark Stahl. There were times where I brought him on radio. He's like, can I swear? I'm like, no. He's like, I'm going to swear anyways. I'm like, all right. <laughs> Fuck Mark Stahl. Hey, if he was playing for my team and being paid what he was being paid, Oof. I'd hate too. Yeah. Which, I mean, not to discredit as well, we already got through the forward groups, but on a PTO with the Florida Panthers, we have... Oh. Never to die legend, Eric Stahl. <gasps> Amazing. Unbelievable. I All honestly right, you hope take he it, makes man. it. Have, have fun with this one. All right, well, I don't want to like <laughs> to put too much salt in the wound there. But yeah, Calgary's defense, despite losing Eric Branson, <laughs> uh, they look still pretty fucking good. So it, I do say that like tongue-in-cheek a little bit, but him and Zadorov were an unbelievable pairing last year. As crazy as that sounds being that they are the two big brutes they're probably not the two best skaters on the team they made it work and they instilled fear into every forward who tried to cross that blue line a little bit different now that you know he's gone to columbus i still love the pairings and i think they're deep as hell especially replacing him with a better defenseman in my opinion Mackenzie Weger, different defenseman, better defenseman, in my opinion. Uh, the daily face-off pairings right now have Noah Hannafin, Rasmus Anderson, Mackenzie Weger, Chris motherfucking Tanev, Oliver Shillington, and Nikita Zadorov. You, you had to hesitate for a second pronouncing that last name, didn't you? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I knew what it was. <laughs> that is an unbelievably deep defense. Is there like a bona fide top all-star pairing? No. Is there a bad pairing? No. It's it's very it's perfect because you can put these these pairings out matchup wise against a lot of the elite, and I imagine that they'll 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 defend and or do their job in moving the puck up the ice. So I'm like I think the defense got better for the Flames personally. Slightly, no, I, but, I agree. Yeah. No, I think Mackenzie Weger doesn't get the respect he deserves. No, I think Florida Panthers fans are gonna like rue the day they they all are probably so happy he's gone the way they talk about him and i'm sorry like he was so good for them like he had a couple of big like doi doi plays but <laughs> a lot of defensemen come on dude let's think defensemen are under the magnifying glass most of the time right no no i disagree they're zero percent under the magnifying glass which is why you only see when something horrible happens uh, if a defenseman's yeah. not noticed that's a, a good, good thing, thing. right? Like, <laughs> I, I think true, they're the true. opposite of the magnifying glass. They're just sitting there, and all of a sudden you see an explosion off in the corner. You're like, oh, I better check out the wreckage here. Oh, one, shit, what did he do? Or one blow a tire skating back or something like that, and you're like, oh, right. fuck's sakes, who is this guy? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think that that's a big, like, I'm sorry, Florida Panthers. They probably have some awesome fans. By and large, they're probably in the bottom tier of knowledgeable fans in the NHL. Again, they're top fans. Great. Just like any fan base. There's I'm a lot of about, casuals. I'm talking about, I'm talking about the bottom tier. I'm talking There's about a lot the of people casuals, outside yeah. of the top 10%. You, yeah. you know who you are and you're probably nodding like, oh yeah, I didn't even know half these players that you just read off. But, they knew Kodak Black, but they didn't know half the players <laughs> on the team. <laughs> hey, that, that's okay though. That's fair. Yeah. 
Um, all right, Legendary. man. So then the last argument, which I think this is or not argument topic, which I think, oh, it's actually not the last one. All right. I'm all over the place. But interesting one to discuss being the goaltending position where I think we're both of like minds where we love Jacob Markstrom and he's yes. the best goalie. But the tandem of Bobrovsky and Knight is really interesting. Now that's going to be a real challenge come the end of this season when Spencer Knight comes off as ELC and Bobrovsky still is looking beyond this year at three more years paid 10 million. That's, that's a guy thing. that you got to wonder, is there going to be a buyout at some point? Like not it's, it's tough. We've talked about this on past pods. It's tough when you have a guy that is an NHL starting goalie to then pay him not to play for you, whether that be from a buyout or from trading him and retaining half the cap, because that's the only way you're going to move that fucking deal. I man, or I mean, maybe they just trade their 26 and 27 first round picks with Bobrovsky to, uh, to Arizona for future considerations. That would be something. And I mean, that would probably work to be honest. That's the only scenario that would work, but it's a good situation. Like, Take the dollars out of it. Having Bobrovsky and Knight kind of playing a tandem, compete for ice time, see if Spencer Knight can come along under the example of Bobrovsky, or maybe the young kid fires up Bobrovsky to keep on with what he did back in Columbus. Um, I think everyone gets a little bit too hard on him for the couple of bad years that he had early in the contract. I think he's bounced back from it and has been fine. Like he's not a top five top 10 goalie i don't think but he i don't think he's bottom half either probably um so it'll be interesting to watch them but you you go off on how much you love markstrom because he's a canuck a swoon yeah no i love i love Markstrom. Yeah, for former florida panther actually oh just saying just saying and that's all funny ties. back all the ties back then like he was slated to be like this is the next big goalie to come in. Do you remember that? The hype? Uh, and he, he I don't actually, it. to be honest. Really? Dude, I, it, I, it was I, in Florida. What, what was the reason uh, was there to pay attention back well, then? That, before he was drafted to Florida, World Junior, oh, this is the next big Sweden goalie, blah, blah, blah. And, I mean, he was kind of rushed into the league, too. Yeah. <laughs> um. So so there you go. But, no, I mean, Jacob Markstrom has that one of the best goalies in the National Hockey League. Didn't show up for the playoffs, interestingly enough. Uh, but you can't dog him 100 like 100% on that. That was that was a team effort. So I think he's going to bounce back and still have a Vesna caliber season again. Um, the defense is just as good right in front of him. So that it's not like the system has changed at all. Going back to what you said in Florida, though, like if you look at just the the, the general, like the, the 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 game of building a team, right? The general manager's point of view, that stuff. Sure, Calgary's in a better position. We just we just talked about that. You just talked about that on ice. 100% Florida has the better goaltending tandem, okay? I, I love Darth Vlader, Vlader, whatever they call him, <laughs> that the, the Star Wars tie. Um, but anyways, let's be honest. Okay. He, I have not seen enough of him to convince me that he's a true backup in the National Hockey League level. I know Tim and Kyle, my, my friends out here, they, they swear that, no, he's there, and given the actual role, he'll, he'll rise to it. Jacob Marsham's going to have to play most of the games this year and i think he can do that but we've seen more he's getting up there in age and when he gets injured because of the way he plays because he's so big because of the way he extends his body on some of like just his movements he tends to hurt himself for a while right so his injuries aren't like 
two to three weeks. His injuries are two to three months. So if that happens, that's not good. So the Flames have a tiny bit of cap space. I believe it's like, what? Uh, uh, no, you're mistaken. So it, it says right now on cap friendly that they have 2.7 mil, but that's not factoring in Sean Monahan being on long-term IR, which is another six oh. point, almost 6.4. So if he plays, they still have more wiggle room than the wild do. Okay. So, and so if he even doesn't, better. then they've got fucking almost 10 mil. So I think really the flames, their, their last move they have to do is bring in a backup goalie to be perfectly honest, or someone who in training camp or preseason, they can put, okay. I think they're okay with their current backup. Well, to be I, honest. I think, but if they have a little cap space, why not bring someone just to compete for that role later? And you know, this other B, you know, career B let, let's see who wants it more. Why not? Why not? If you have if you have the space to do it, if you have quite a bit of space to do it, and if you're looking for the a backup one, the goalie, one to do it with would have been Charlie Lindgren. I can't believe yeah. he went to Washington. But if you that have even so if you sad. have one if you have one point two budget to spend on a backup goal, you can you can find some you can find some I'm sure there's some out there right now still. Yeah. So yeah. we just covered LTIR. The only ones that have to deal with buyout stipulation are the Panthers. This year they're on the books for six and a half mil, which is part of why they're over the cap right now. Uh paying Almost 5.4 million this year to Keith Yandel and uh, 1.1 million, almost 1.2 million to Scott Darling. But this is the last year of paying Darling. So that's good. Wow. I, I um, totally forgot that guy yeah. even existed in the league. And that's no disrespect. That's, Stanley Cup. Uh, no, Stanley that's, Cup that's, that's disrespect. That's Stanley, disrespect. Cup champion. <laughs> Stanley Cup champion. I think he's on Chicklets like what, twice? So, I mean, he got a little bit of pub on his way out. But so then then we got to look, though, at the, the draft picks before we get into the last uh, piece of this. Uh, Calgary has all of their picks for the next three years, with the exception of a third and a fifth this coming year, a fifth and a seventh the following year, and then a conditional fourth in 25, depending on what happens with Florida's first, which they receive. So they've got an extra first in 2025, whereas the Florida Panthers are missing all of their firsts Ooh. the next three years, but two of them are lottery protected, which I don't think they need to be worried about, but we'll see. Um, a second in 2024, a third in 2023, um, a seventh in 2023, which gets replaced by a Coyotes pick. And then they've got a couple other, like they, they have the conditional one from Calgary in the fourth and 25. They got a uh, fifth back from Philly, but like by and large, like, not great. Not great. Judd Brackett would not be happy. Um, but Oof, that's, I, I that's, think. Yeah, you're not feeling your cupboards anytime soon. No. And I'll let you then go to the last one. As far as off ice. So we're talking general manager, head coach, whatever. Talk about Calgary compared to Florida. Oh, general manager. I, I Again, I'm super bullish on Brad Trilling being one of the best general managers in the league. And I, I do not one think... One of the best being top three, top five, top ten. Top five. Top. Th I could make an argument wow. for top three, but I think that's... It's still a little <laughs> bit of a stretch. <laughs> it's still a little bit I of think, stretch. I think top five is a stretch. I, I don't. I don't. And I think I think proofs in the pudding, if you see, from the time that he got into Calgary to, what, to, to now, nothing but success, in my opinion. Long playoff runs, no... But hey, you get in the playoffs as a dice roll for any team. Minnesota Wild fans, you know that more than anybody, right? Huh. So, um, coach, who the fuck did they even bring in? <laughs> I don't even know who the fuck their coach is. So that Daryl Sutter. Um, uh, well, I didn't know if he was gonna stay or not. Like Sutter, he's not the long term plan. This next season, sure, good coach they bought in. 
that's why I'm uneasy on the coach because like he's not the coach of the future. He's not the coach of this potential next core. This this next maybe six years of Huberto in his prime. Um, so so I'm less bullish on the coach because we've seen Sutter come in, catch lightning in a bottle one, two years, it's fine. And then, you know, then 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 there's no more buy-in. I, I know it's still early, but I think that they're not gonna ride or die with Sutter again. Not saying that they're gonna relieve him of his duties, but they're gonna probably start to bring in some other people around him, bring in some other people into the organization, maybe even in, I keep saying Stockton. I got to find out where the hell they are in Alberta, uh, to their AHL team and start maybe grooming the next one. So I'm very bullish on their general manager as always. Coach, could work this year again, could not. I am I really don't know, to be perfectly honest. I think Trelleving being top five is pretty aggressive by my metrics. I think top 10 is reasonable. Um, but five, we'd, we'd have to have a, another discussion to hear who you think yeah, yeah. the other four are in that top five group and see who's omitted. Uh, Daryl Sutter has been great for them, but he and Tortorella most famously are known for having a shelf life. Well, I worry, <laughs> I worry that this could be the year that his message kind of loses its appeal, but Hey, maybe losing the superstars, maybe people are more like open to buying in and going through the process to new get leaders, to the end new goal. leadership. Yep. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. I mean, you got to wonder too, like does Huberto just get handed the C or how does that go? But um, backlund, for me, backlund, backlund. <laughs> looking at the Panthers though, they have the most interesting pairing to me, Bill Zito, who like jury's still out, right? Like he's made some really interesting moves and it's going to be a while before we know how they play out. The guy's got balls, and I don't think he's done anything that was, like, stupid besides besides bringing in Sherratt and giving up a first for that. But that aside, like, he's interesting to me. He's a guy that could, depending on what he does the next year or two, be a solid GM. We'll see. The head coach, though, and I know Dev is snickering and probably <laughs> getting ready to tag me in the next mention <laughs> of Maurice on Twitter Dude, I, I think Paul Maurice is such a good coach. Dude, I, I love steal. Paul Maurice. I steal. like he's one of my favorite figures in hockey, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. I fucking love and, Paul Maurice. Dude, wild fans are gonna be bummed. You can be mad at me, whatever. I do not think Andrew Burnett is the coach that everyone thought he was when he got nominated as one of the top three for the Jack Adams this year. I don't think he's a bad coach, and I do think that he'll get another shot at a head coaching gig if he so chooses. I don't even know that he wants to be a coach, but he was definitely, I wouldn't say he was the problem, but he wasn't a solution to their playoff woes. You saw it. They could have easily lost to the Washington Capitals in the first round, a way less skilled team, but they didn't know how to make adjustments. They weren't making corrections game to game. They were just coming out with the same thing, hoping it would work to overpower them. That to me is a big red flag from the coaching perspective. And Hey, again, wish nothing but the best for Bruno. Hopefully he like has success now as an assistant or even perhaps in a future head coaching role. Paul Maurice is a top three coach period. Oh dude. Period. In his, in his uh, last uh, what was it? Eight full seasons because he he replaced uh what was his, uh, something Noel, the first coach when Winnipeg came back. That guy was in that job. He replaced him midway through the season, so I won't count that. But f for his full eight seasons with the Winnipeg Jets, made the playoffs five times, like over five hundred with, and, and he acquired a team that 
wasn't that great. <laughs> Let's be Dude, honest. You want to talk about uh, that's probably, I mean, if we're all being objective here, take away like the roster and everything, just say, where do you want to live? I'm pretty oh. sure Winnipeg is bottom three in everyone's oh, minds. hundred percent out of all of the markets. And they still manage to get and keep solid players there. They're going to be in for a tough year this year with potentially losing Shifley already having the writing on the wall for Pierre-Luc Dubois. Like, I'm not sure what the, the Jets are going to be, but Maurice was a big piece in bringing that group together, kind of getting the best out of them and maybe even a little bit more when they were a team that always had holes but still was able to overcome them. Like, I'm I'm really bummed for them. It made for a great story, sure, but, yeah. dude, losing to Vegas and not going to the finals that oh. year against the Capitals, that robbed it's- us. That would have been such a good series, whereas the Capitals just fucking trounced the Vegas Golden Knights. Winnipeg might have won that series, to be perfectly honest. I, I honestly the, would I have picked I would have picked Winnipeg over the Caps in that series. But it would well, have been a really been, good one. I would have been the only Canadian crying when that <laughs> <laughs> But I, I again Paul Maurice gonna be really interesting Beauty. to see what he does now with this team. Um and again, changes to come. I still think Sam Reinhardt's the one to watch as far as a guy that might be moved and hopefully bringing back some help on the on the defensive side of the puck. But I I really like him in the whole sphere of head coaches in the NHL. Did Top you three. know? Did you know? So fun fact for those who are watching or, or listening, that the after coaching in Carolina, before taking the job in Winnipeg, he was actually coaching in the KHL for okay. Matt Niedegors. How crazy is that? And he was plucked from the KHL. <laughs> 27 wins, 13 losses at the time. So there you go. And uh, lost in the first round of the playoffs. So this guy's a machine wherever he goes. He can go to those crazy Russians and still, without even speaking their language. I mean, Paul Maurice is a beauty. He probably speaks Russian. I I don't know. (laughs) I imagine being in hockey for that long, he probably speaks Russian, Sweden, like anyways. But going and out of nowhere, one season, going to a a team that is not funded in Russia, like some of the other big dogs, let's be honest, is he said in his last podcast that that organization is actually very friendly with allowing players to leave and go to the NHL. Unlike, you know, Ska and some of those other ones, but that's, you got to kind of recognize how amazing that is going to a KHL team. One that kind of with a rag doll group, I just looked at the roster, nothing crazy special, being able to get the best out of them, language barrier, culture barrier, but still speaking the language of hockey. Coming back full circle to what you said, bringing the best out of players who are hockey junkies. And I think for those to thrive in Winnipeg, that is a hockey Canadian city. That's it. There's high-level college hockey. There's high-level junior hockey. There's high-level junior A hockey. There's NHL. There's everything. So to thrive and buy into that culture, you got to get. You have to get the best of the guys, and you have to kind of see the value of living in a spot like that. And I just, I have nothing but good things to say about Paul Maurice. Fair. My last thing then, just looking at the full scope of going into this season, I think we have the two divisions here that are weirdly the most improved, like in their, in their bottom tier, right? Yeah. Teams that didn't make the playoffs from both sides got a lot better. Um, I mean, again, Seattle Kraken not making the playoffs. But are they going to be a lot harder to get a win out of? You bet your ass. There goes one that everyone had circled, right? Florida, the worst team in the uh, Atlantic is probably the Montreal Canadiens. And they got better. Yeah, they still. They now have Marty St. Louis for a full season. 
They've made a couple additions. I think it's interesting. I'm not saying, again, this isn't a team that's going to be a playoff team, but when it's harder to get a win out of the gimme wins, that does a lot. Like Florida beat the shit out of the bottom tier top competition. Yeah, yeah. And like, it's great. You need that. But I think looking this year at both sides, right? Both getting better. I do think as far as like this season, Florida takes a bigger step back just because again, the blue lines can be brutal still figuring out what's going on with the goaltending. And it's going to take some time for, you know, Maurice to really get his grip on this team. I think not this coming season, but the following Florida might flip flop back over Calgary, but this year, I, I like Matthew Kachuk more as a player than Jonathan Huberdeau. Yeah. But I think Huberdeau is more capable of carrying a line by himself. And that's what he kind of did for Florida. And again, he had good line mates, but he really drove the output of that line where I think Kachuk is an incredible secondary player, right? Who absolutely has the ability to be the guy on a line but he can't really drive and dictate the play the way that Huberto does. And I think that ends up sneakily like hurting Florida this year, personally. Especially because he, he put, and I know Kachuk put up 100 points too, but he put up 100 points, like you said, more single-handedly than by committee. Yep. Well, our, uh, our projected 15-minute breakdown really got in depth, eh, Hobby? <laughs> That that is true. Yeah. I mean, what <sighs> do you have any thoughts on this coming year or beyond or... Honestly, we covered we covered it all, man. Like I, I echo what you're saying about the Pacific. I echo what you're saying about you know Florida not being able to just feed off the bottom teams. Although I'm just never gonna give any praise to Montreal. <laughs> now the Shea Weber is pretty much done. I mean, <laughs> I don't I don't care even if he jumps into a management role like Marty St. Louis over there. You ain't getting no love. It's not me. a management role. He's the head coach. But um, all right. So off the hip, where do both teams finish in their respective divisions? So not total points. But just in their respective division, what number? Florida. You know what? Both of them, three in their division. Interesting. I have. Each, each landing three. I think both of them could be four. <laughs> I may. It, it, now, if I have to pick one to jump up to three, it's probably Calgary. Yeah, that they just. I was going to say that too. But I think Florida, again, they're goaltending. They're going to help them sneak out some games of their defense, you know could potentially lose them. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. And that's the balance. You know, if your goaltending is that good, I, I, I bet the team's like, oh, we're going to go with this defense because at least we got those two back there. So it is what it is. Um, shout out to everyone who's tuned into this. Well, I guess bonus episode this week and uh, all the clips on YouTube. You all are beauties. If you haven't already subscribed to our YouTube channel, we're going to be posting podcast clips and a ton more beer content as well as live streams all season. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast, I know a lot of you are listening on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't already, please rate and review the podcast. We don't really give a shit what you write, to be perfectly honest, although we thank all those who've left kind reviews. Just leave five stars and just hammer something in the comments there. It helps us get in front of more ears and more eyes uh, on those respected podcast apps, and we really appreciate all the support signing off i'm ishi drill me alongside the state of hoppy this has been the soda pod we'll see you guys later